Hey y'all, Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investing so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Today, we are going to dive into the world of property management. Now, on this podcast, we do talk about real estate investing quite a bit. We talk about passive investing. We talk about vetting the sponsor, the market, the deal. But what happens after we close on the property? Well, these sponsors that you invest with need to work hand in hand with a property manager. Maybe it's a third party, maybe they have it in-house, but there will be a property manager that's ultimately going to drive the success of your investment and get you those projected returns that you're hoping to get. Now, today we're going to have an opportunity to pick the brain of a true expert, Janet Fields, who is the president of Oak Trust Properties, a property management company with hundreds and hundreds of properties under management near the Charleston, South Carolina area. All right, folks, let's jump in. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Janet, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Seth. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background, your story, and, and take it back as far as you'd like to take it. All right. Uh, so again, I am Janet Fields, uh, CEO and founder of Oak Trust Properties. Um, so I bought my first property in 2008, but my journey really started, I believe, with um, helping my family flip properties. My dad was a real estate agent. He started picking up his own properties when I was really young. And then, um, you know, the next progression is to have your kids do child labor on the property. So naturally we did that. Um, and then I never was like, Hey, let's do property management. I always just like change locks or cut grass or help flip properties and made some extra money here and there. Um, but eventually I wanted to go to school for art and graphic design. That was always something that I was interested in marketing, um, telling stories, stuff like that, like visual stories. So I really gravitated towards that. My parents were not thrilled about investing in that. I don't understand why. Um, so instead I went to school, um, found out I wasn't going to really like make a lot of money doing that. So I went to government contracting where I did uh, labor. Um, I produced communication systems uh, for submarines and MRAPs and uh, tanks and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. It was an interesting job. I learned a lot, but it wasn't exactly the environment I wanted to stay in for a long time. So um, somebody left my dad's business off the front desk and I talked to him about that. I was like, Hey, do you mind if I step in the business, try this out for a while? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I have two other sisters and they were never interested in property management. And I was, so he was super excited about that. Um, cause he'd always thought this would be like a great thing to give to us, you know? Um, 
And when I expressed interest, he got pretty emotional and I got emotional because it was hard to ask. Like I never had to like ask. That's a big ask, right? Like, will you take a chance on me? Um, and he did. So it was amazing. We both cried and celebrated. It was amazing. Um, I started just running applications and stuff and then uh, started figuring out the business and how I can improve it. Because when I got into it, we were, you know, smaller informal shop where, we didn't want to see or hear from our tenants. Um, that was like, you know, the collective feeling throughout like, you know, property management and uh, through marketing and graphic design and all that, I, I knew that there's that, that was strange. That was odd. Like you should be appreciating them and like building stories and making them feel good and all those things. So I was like, what's going on here? Like, how can I fix this? Um, so I really got interested in the customer experience and who we are for them. And I just kind of started digging into that. And that's, that's how I got where I am today in the back office, uh, just kind of running this company and uh, trying to create as much value for everyone that we, um, you know, shake hands, do business with. Yeah. Impact. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. I really appreciate that. Um, was there anything kind of in that government contracting job that made you have like an aha moment where you're like, you know what, <laughs> I had enough of uh, regular jobs. I'm going to go into uh, something more entrepreneurial for myself. Yes. Um, I was there for about five years and it's, it was like an entry level position, but it paid really well because it's government, you know, they got money to spend. So we got good benefits. We had great pay. The hours were pretty cool because we went in early and we, we were out by three. Um, but the, the environment was not amazing. And as I tried to, um, move within the company, it got a little, um, a little odd. I started getting some interesting feedback and I wasn't really thrilled about that. And I was like, okay, well, I've been here five years and, you know, I, I feel like I definitely have a, something to offer and progress and that wasn't happening. So I was like, it's time to leave. I'm not just going to sit here. I'm not going to be stuck in this. Like I got things to do. Yeah. 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 At their mercy. And sometimes you just gotta be like, I've had enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. At their mercy. Um, I definitely want to have more control over my life. And if I want something, I can figure out how to go get it. Like, it's not like just adding up the dollars. It's how do I get it? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, exactly. When I stopped working or for somebody else started working for myself, I'm probably working just as much, if not more hour wise, but it's, you know, it's a different feeling of accomplishment of, of what you're doing and, and yeah, how you're doing it. Yeah, you don't feel captured or contained. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's jump into property management a little bit. Let, let's start at the beginning. You know, when I think a lot of people, when they get their first rental property or their second or their third, they kind of, you know, either they get a property manager right out of the right out of the gate, or they're kind of trying to do it themselves. They're trying to think mm -hmm. about, you know, do I want to pay that 10% or whatever it might be to somebody else to manage it? You know, how does one determine whether or not it's time to find a property manager or continue trying to self-manage themselves? All right. Uh, so you want to know, you know, what do you have time for? What do you have time to support? And are you going to treat it as a business and really just commit to it and get organized? Or are you going to treat it more like a hobby? Like when a issue occurs, then you're going to solve it. You know, if you can be proactive and plan it or as things happen, like record your process and you can be prepared the next time, uh, you know, go for it. But if if surprises make you uncomfortable, if you don't have a high risk tolerance, if you don't like conflict, um, if you don't like the unknown, if you don't like calls at odd hours or on the weekend, it's not for you. It's yeah. not. So, yeah, yeah you, you want to build a team. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. And I consider it just, it's a cost of doing business. I mean, you factor in whenever you buy that property, you factor that 10% in um, mm -hmm. from the get-go. Uh, that's yes. just what it's going to cost. Because even if it's not this first or second property, if you get more and more, at some point, you're going to have to relinquish the range and give it to somebody, to a professional to handle for you so that you can buy more properties. Um, so you need to factor in that, that property management fee. Absolutely. Knowing what your time is worth, like hourly rate, it is an excellent way to figure all that out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of our listeners are attorneys. So, you know, they're, they're billing, you know, $200,000 an hour and still trying to, you know, manage a single family property or manage a few oh. single family properties. It makes no sense. Yeah. You're in deficit. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And taking, even taking a step further, I talk to people about, you know, flipping houses and things like that for attorneys that are partners in law firms. Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, do you really want to take away from something you're making that much active income in to flip a property? It's probably not the best idea. There's probably other types of investments out there, whether Absolutely. it's turnkey, residential real estate or commercial real estate where you're a past investor. Yeah. And somebody else can do it more efficiently because they've done it repetitively. Like you would be there problem solving, stumbling through it and wasting time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how do you go about finding a good property manager once you've made that decision and say, okay, I, I, I'm, I've got to do it. I got to give it to somebody. How do you find a good one? Because there's a lot of bad ones out there, Janet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would hop on the old internets and do some searches, uh, do a little Google search, see what's out there. You know, you want to look per your area because not everybody serves everywhere. Uh, Oak Trust Properties is looking to expand. So if you want to do that, give us a call. Um, and then you would just start talking to them, see who, who fits your personality, uh, who makes you feel comfortable, who's being proactive. You want to do those sort of things because you are building a long-term relationship. This is not just, you know, an upfront relationship where we put a bow on the product and we hand it over. We're going to be working together year over year. It may be higher touch points in the beginning of the end, but long-term relationship. You want to be able to like work with these people. So people who are proactive and they can tell you what to expect before it happens, that's a really good place to start. And then the other thing is you're going to want to ask for that management agreement because the management agreement tells the story. It is literally a timeline. You just go in there and walk through it. It's a timeline with um, general issues that will arise throughout. And it'll tell you exactly how we're going to handle those issues and how much it might cost. Uh, so that you'd want to pull um, a few references or go out and find, I always do three to five, three to five people that I'm interested in or companies, uh, pull their management agreements, make phone calls, do comparisons, find out how you would like to pay uh, because there, there's all different kinds of cost structures. There's all upfront, there's pay by touch point. So you just want to find, you know, what's, what's right for you. There's, it's just like a burger. There's a million out there, but they're not all the same. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, how, what are some of the things once you hire a property manager that, separates the good ones from the bad ones. I mean, once mm -hmm. you kind of done your due diligence, hopefully you made some, some good decisions and you hired the right one, but once you kind of get into it, what are some of the things that a good property manager does that maybe bad ones don't? Uh, it's a lot like the same way that you would have a relationship. Well, it's not the same way, but when you say uh, there's an issue, they should be coming to you with um, the, the answer to those problems. They don't come to you with problems. They come to you with solutions. So they say, hey, there's a leak. Uh, we have these two estimates going out. Here's the options for these repairs, A, B, and C. This is how much it'll cost. How would you like to move forward? It's not like, oh my gosh, there's a leak. What do you want me to do? So they should be always proactive. Uh, they should also have an idea of what to expect. So when they do your, your periodic inspections, inspections, they can take a look at the property and say, hey, the carpet looks great here, but it might not make it another five years. Or, hey, your carpet 
it made it 10 years. Congratulations. That's amazing. But this next time, like, it's probably not going to re-rent at this rate. Uh, so you want ones that are proactive. They're thinking about your dollars. Uh, we're, we're not making beautiful Airbnbs with long-term rentals. We do 12-month rentals. Uh, so you want somebody who understands your goals and can help you get to your goals by supporting you. Gotcha. Yeah, I love all that. Can we go through, maybe back up a little bit and just go through yeah. um, the roles of a, of a property manager? Because some folks out there haven't even bought their first rental property yet. Um, you know, when you hand over those reins, what does the property manager actually do for you? Um, yeah. what, what do they get for that 10%? <laughs> we pave your way to success. Yeah. So what we do is uh, we take your property, uh, we take a look at it, we give you your comp comps and variables, we tell you what other properties as similar as possible uh, to it rent for, and we have a little conversation about that. Um, we give you a marketing plan and say, hey, at this rate that we guarantee, uh, we guarantee it to be rented in 30 days or less. Our goal is 14, but 30 days is what we want to do for you, like our guarantee. Um, and then we move forward. If you do go outside that price point, they should already have a plan and an action for you saying, hey, if it doesn't hit this price point, you don't fall into our guarantee. And here's uh, the stair steps per every five days that we're going to be making until we get to the guaranteed price point. So you want people with a plan. We're not just winging it. Like if without systems and processes, we're not reducing your liability, we're not reducing your loss. So you want those people. Uh, and then the next thing is we go market your property, make it look the best as possible. We put up a subscription or pers subscriptions. Sorry, just totally lost that word. Uh, we describe the property. There you go. And um, we just put it all over the different websites. We really avoid websites that can uh, easily scam, but they're going to end up on um, Craigslist and stuff. But we syndicate to a bunch of different sites. We use Zillow, we use Hotpads, Zumper, all those places. And then we get the leads. The guest cards are completely overwhelming. So that's like the biggest part of the front end is like just going through those guest cards, answering those questions, getting the people in the door. Um, and then after we get them in door, we want to push for an application because we want people to apply for that property. So after that, we already know what we're looking for. It's not like we're going out to lunch and interviewing this person and having an emotional attachment. We have a scorecard of like the, the line items, the bullet points and the qualifications of what we want for your property because we know those are the most qualified residents who have the least amount of risk. So we know what we're doing. Once we have a qualified applicant, we bring it to you and say, hey, this is a qualified applicant. Um, they are they want to do the 12 month lease. Uh, they do have two dogs. They have X credit, X income, X this. We're not showing you an ID ID because we don't want to open you up to liability. That's our liability. Um, and then we just move forward. You say, yes, that sounds great. I would love somebody to fulfill my lease. So we move them into that property um, and then we just start sending you payments. So they pay rent and we collect it and we automatically deposit it into your account. And then it would, after that, it's um, little things that pop up. Hey, my garbage disposal doesn't work. So we get that call and we repair that. And we say, hey, FYI, garbage disposal is out. Um, it's, you know, 165 to replace it. And we're going to go ahead and do that for you. And you say, okay, great. No problem. And we just keep trucking along. Uh, there's a periodic inspection around eight to 10 months that we do. We take a look at the property, uh, make sure it's being taken care of property, properly, record all that. And then we go in and uh, do another market comp and tell you what's going on at your property and say, okay, uh, 
if we keep this president in the property, uh, here's what we expect to be able to get for you. Uh, this is a this percentage increase, and these are the dollar amounts in your range that is like highly recommended. And then um, if for some reason you don't want to do a renewal, this is what you could possibly get. And if you'd like to renovate your property or do any improvements, here's what you can possibly get for that. So we really wanted to bring you options and to let you know what you could do and what we can deliver for you. Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now, it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investment successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You wanna be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing, appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio. So you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really wanna make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort, so you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Cool. Yeah, I like what you're saying about the, the market comps. Would someone be able to come to you before they even buy a property, let's say they, or maybe they get it under contract and it has a you know rehab component. Can they come to you and say, hey, Janet, this is the property I have under contract. If I put, you know, $70,000 in improvements, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Granite countertops, all this stuff. Do you think the market can support it? And if the market can support it, we know what kind of rent can I get it so I can factor that into my pro forma. Can they come to you with questions like that? Absolutely. Yeah. We can pull comps on that. Uh, we would just need to know what are the improvements that you're making and then we can start pulling comps on it and let you know what go on. Yes, absolutely. We love having those front end conversations. Uh, if you get that foundation set and you know it's going to work, like you're going to be a lot happier and we're going to be able to serve you. So yes, give us that front end call. That's always the best for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty powerful piece because, you know, it's, especially for someone like myself that invests out of state. I mean, I know the markets that I invest in, but if you're yeah. actually in it, if you're a property manager in that market, you really know it, you know, block to block, street to street, house oh, yeah. to house, and you'd be able to make a much more accurate um make some accurate assumptions rather as opposed from me sitting in San Diego, California. Yeah. The MLS is, it's nice to have access to MLS. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What are some of the, the strategies? Because I, I know I've had issues in the past with some of my properties as far as turnover. I'll, I'll try to, and you might allude to this later, but I know for myself, sometimes I try to max out the rent, maybe even prices out of the market a little bit and just mm -hmm. get kind of one person to bite. And then, but they see that I think a year later, so they move out. Or, yeah. Is that something you see pretty often? Do you kind of use that in your strategy as far as keeping tenants from turning over so often? Yeah. So there's definitely a balance in everything you do. Um, just like a 
business, like you can max out your dollars, but by maxing out your dollars, you're probably going to be stripping your services down. So yeah, you definitely want to keep like a dashboard of all your different components and find out, you know, how they all lay together. We definitely like the property to be at a balanced rate between moving quickly and getting rented uh, because, you know, every day the the property sits on market, it's a loss that could be like 50 to $75 per day. So if you're sitting for 30 days or, you know, 15 to 30 days, that's a half a month to a full month's rent. I mean, it doesn't always make sense financially, just those couple of dollars. Um, so if you get them in there and taking over the lease as soon as possible, it is more cost-effective than most, most instances. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other things you guys do to prevent that turnover? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, having a positive relationship with residents is really good. Um, and that's a, a newer thing, honestly, in the last couple like years or decades as people forging a relationship with the residents, keeping open communication with them, reaching out to them for positive things and just checking in. Um, so we have a lot of hurricanes here in Charleston. So keeping that positive uh, open communication is great because we when we have hurricanes coming, we're like, hey, guys, uh, just so you know, we don't board up windows around here because it's a safety hazard, super dangerous, don't do it. Um, we're going to have probably like heavy phone lines during this process. So if you do have a leak or anything like massive to the structure, let us know. Other than that, you can send us a text or an email um, and the people are really receptive to that. And then we check in on them through a mass text uh, after the hurricane and we say, hey, you know, we're just checking out on you make sure that like you and your family are okay. And, uh, you know, if you see anything around the property, take a picture and send it to us. And people um, just asking them how they are after something like that is, it's a game changer. Like people, they like hearing from us because we're not just like, hey, where's the rent? Right, right. Yeah, keep that line of communication open so it's yeah. not like, you know, you're just a bill collector and yeah. that's it. You're, you're a friend, you're looking out for them, you're trying to make sure that everything's, everything's good for them because that's their home as well. Yeah, happier residents stay longer. If you feel like um, somebody's always telling you no or asking for something, they're going to they're gonna shun you or just leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. What, you know, when things start going awry, let's say, let's kind of keep this progression going with your property manager. What are some of those telltale signs you think, at least from, let's say from the, the, the property owner's perspective that they can be on the look, look out for that they should be like, oh man, this, this relationship isn't working out the way it should be. Um, maybe I should start looking at, you know, firing my property manager and finding it. Yeah. Uh, so not getting visual images of your property after, um, you invest in your property or you get somebody in the property. That's a really good, um, tell, uh, not being able to get a hold of your property manager. They should have like a reasonable time frame that they set to say, Hey, this is our feedback window. We'll give you, you know, response in 24 hours. Uh, those sort of things are really important not being able to tell you what the next step is to get you prepared. Even when you sit down with a, a brand new um, CPA, you know, they say, Hey, okay, this is great. I'll send you over our, our proposal and a retention package. So they tell you your next steps. It's not like, Oh gosh, what now? Like there should be an action plan at the end of every conversation. Um, so you want somebody who is a professional, somebody who is doing it as a business knows what they're doing and they're not dabbling. It's not a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's a big step, right? Like to, to fire your property manager. I mean, people hate to fire other people, first of all, and then second yeah. of all, just going through those hoops of, Oh, now I've got to find another property manager. I've got to figure out how to terminate this contract, start yeah. a new one. I mean, you know, are there, is there anything else as far as just, you know, when is it too much when you're like, okay, it, it's, I've got to do it. I've got to move on. I've got to put the work in and find a new property manager. 
Yeah, when it's costing you money because nobody's reporting issues, you're having secondary damage, um, residents aren't taking care of the property, they're asking you to approve applications, you don't want that liability, that's why you hired us, um, those sort of things. So I would definitely, but you wanna hear from your property manager, you wanna have positive connection with them and they should just be able to supply you with the best service possible. If you don't feel like you're getting that, it's time to start looking at that management agreement, finding out if there's any fines or owed fees at the end and start coming up with a game plan because you want to move like right around the time that the lease is up to the right. next property manager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything else, right? You got to hire slow and fire fast. If, they, if yeah. people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, maybe try to correct the relationship. But if, if those, you know, they fall in deaf ears, then it's time to move on. Yeah, you don't want to ignore, ignore a leak. It just gets worse. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I'd like to get your your opinion on just real estate in general and, and you know, what, what opportunities you're seeing in the marketplace. I know, for instance, you know, Airbnbs and short-term rentals are huge right now, but you know, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of risk involved because you don't know what municipalities are going to do. You know, what are some of the, you know, what are, what are some of the opportunities you're seeing in, in the residential real estate space? Uh, definitely short-term rentals, like executive mm -hmm. rentals. Uh, there's in our market, especially where we've been behind housing in housing for like 10 plus years. And this last couple of years has just exasperated it. People coming from, um, higher density areas are moving down to Charleston and they want a property where, you know, we have broken supply chains. You can't hardly build a property. And they're like, well, I've moved down here now. Where do I stay? So three to six month, uh, fully furnished rentals are, is a really great way to go. You want to furnish them with that upfront cost. Uh, what we see is moving furniture in and out of properties. That is one of the highest, like, you know, things that tear down your properties. Just imagine all those suitcases you drag in and out. Um, yeah. So that's a really good place to be. Uh, if the market turns, it's a good place to be prepared for. Um, but yeah, I, what I like to look for when I'm looking at properties and suggesting is honestly, where would you like to live? What are the amenities that you're attracted to? Those are the type of properties that we appreciate are the properties that get rented quickly because people want to live there, not because they're limited by, you know, monetary options. Sure, sure. And some of those, you know, three to six month leases, those executive uh, mm -hmm. type of leases, that'll actually get you around that short, most of the short term rental laws, because those are usually yes. like 30 days, right? Yeah. And we see um, there's things that you can do with contracts too. Like you can write a 12 month contract and then they can just cancel it early. Or if it's a three month contract, you can renew it. And it, there's all sorts of loopholes. You just got to get a, you just got to see past the mental block. It's just a block. Yeah. Find a way, to, find a way to make it work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hardest part is finding a good, good property, uh, a good deal nowadays. Yeah. Right, right now. <laughs> It's, I don't even know how people are finding anything right now. It's insane. Yeah, <sighs> pretty crazy. All right, before we jump into the Freedom Four, do you have one last golden nugget for our listeners? Um, yeah, run your numbers before you buy and call a property manager to verify those numbers and see if you're like, well, not verify them, but see if you're missing anything. That front-end work is always important and it will save you in the long-term. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Oh, I read slash listen to Audible like crazy. So a lot of books. Um, and I love to run and do triathlons. And I like yard work. I like uh, digging in my yard, planting plants, watching those grow and um, painting. I love art. So I like to awesome. create. 
Awesome. That's awesome. You held on that, even though you're, you're in real estate, you're still an artist as well. So that's nice to, nice to have. It is. <laughs> I appreciate it. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? Fear, fear of failure. Uh, just reframing that. Uh, so many times I've heard that quitting, like you can't quit, but I mean, what is, what is quitting? You have to define it and quitting could just be taking a break, just pause. So I tell my kids, I was like, we don't quit. We pause, we pause, we collect ourselves and when we're ready. We go back at it. Yeah. So yeah. the fear yeah. of failure and um, quitting, they're not awesome. real. Awesome. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom. Um, take control of your money. Don't just like, it, it's just like going to a fun park. You get these tickets and then you exchange it for stuff, but you know, get control of how you get your tickets. Don't just sit there for a couple hours. Like, you know, like once you have control of how you make your money, you have more control of your life, more freedom. Time for money is not a great exchange. Yeah. Yeah. How has passive income or being an entrepreneur really changed your life for the better? Oh my gosh. I have so much more freedom. I feel way in control of my life. I feel like my dreams are way more obtainable even when they move over 2020. Um, so yeah, if I was just sitting and collecting a paycheck, it would not be the same. Um, it, when I have my own business, I can run it the way I want. I can attract the people I want. I can work in the way I want. And we, I have 100% control over my life and it's fantastic. Love it. Love it. All right, Janet, it's been awesome having you on the show today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, they can go to oaktrustproperties.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and you can find us on TikTok. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Full immersion. All right, Janet. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Janet Fields, ladies and gentlemen, what a great episode. Janet, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate your insights and what an awesome introduction to the world of property management. And now after you've listened to this show, you can realize how important property management is and what all goes into it. And that relationship between the property manager and the sponsor is so important. It will make or break the investment. So make sure whenever you vet a sponsor and you vet a deal, see who the property manager is going to be. Look them up as well. Ask them who the property manager is going to be. Do a little bit of research. Is the property manager local? Do they have the track record of experience? It does truly matter. All right, folks, if you're ready to dive into your first or your next passive real estate deal, but you don't necessarily have the confidence to wire someone $50,000, $100,000, I know it can be nerve-wracking. The first time I did it, it was nerve-wracking. The second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time I've done it, it's also nerve-wracking. But in order to take a little bit of the edge off, the key is to get educated. And we have the perfect education tool for you. It's called Passive Income Pro. It's a four-week program. It's guaranteed to give you the knowledge and the confidence you need to invest in your first or your next passive real estate deal. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to get started. All right, kiddos. As always, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.